morning, church. It's good to see you. Um, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet before, um, let me take this opportunity now to introduce myself. Um, my name is Sam. Uh, I moved to Sheffield first in 2016 um, as a student and spent three wonderful years <laughs> in this city um, uh, studying history. Uh, and then I graduated in 2019 moved away for a little while uh, to London and spent some time working for a church down there. Um, but then uh, September of 2020, so just over nine or ten months, is it nine? Yeah, nine or ten months, let's say. Um, I've been back in Sheffield, uh, joined the staff team here, um, and this is actually the first time that I've been part of the congregation and been able to sing. Um, so it is a joy to be able to sing with you this morning. Um, so we have been, as you'll know, we've been looking at the art of neighbouring, the practice of neighbouring over these past few weeks, and we're going to be continuing in that this morning. So we're going to jump straight in. So where are we heading today? Today we're in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 38 to 42. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device that has a Bible on it, um, feel free to get it up. I hope it might come on the screens behind me. Yes, there we go. Thank you, Jack. So we've got this beautiful, insightful powerful moment in scripture. Um, Jesus is invited into a home, and for some context, this scene um, immediately follows after Jesus has sent out his disciples uh, out into Judea to proclaim the good news, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Um, And then immediately after that, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then we uh, come across this moment. So Jesus is invited into the house by Martha, one of two sisters, also present is Mary, the other sister, and the rest of Jesus' entourage. So let's read this together, Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we know the story probably heard it before. Two sisters, one of whom is too busy trying to make everything happen, trying to make everything perfect for Jesus being in the house, and the other who doesn't do the work but chooses to instead sit at Jesus' feet and listen to what he has to say. And let the record show that what Martha's doing isn't a bad thing. Making the preparations and putting things together isn't necessarily the bad thing. And you know, quite often we say to each other sometimes, be less Martha or be more Mary. And actually, I want to kind of fight against that a little bit and say that actually there is a time for Martha to do what she's doing, but it's not the right time. Mary has chosen what is better. And this interaction gives us a valuable insight, actually, into what Jesus has to say about time. Because how often do we choose what is better? How often do we spend our time on things that aren't actually important in that moment? How often are our priorities a little off? Because I know mine are. I know that I don't always prioritise the right thing. I know that I don't choose the right thing to do in a certain moment. So today, friends, we're going to be thinking about two things. We're going to be thinking about time 
and the heart. Time and the heart. So let's start off in the obvious place. What is time? <laughs> and that's well above my pay grade to be able to answer that. Is it just the rotation of the earth on its axis? Is it the turning of the hands around the clock? Is it the rising? Is it the setting of the sun? Who knows? <laughs> what we do know is this. Time is precious. Yes? We've learned that so much over these past 18 months with the pandemic. We've missed out on time with family, with friends, with loved ones, with new grandchildren, with nieces, nephews, whatever it might be, we have missed out because time is precious. And you know, I'd say me and time have a bit of a complicated relationship. About 90% of the time, I'm very happy to go with the flow, very happy to just let things roll, um, things will happen, and I just get to go along for the ride. But when I'm a little bit stressed out or a little bit worn down, that 10% of the time, I want to grab time by the scruff of the neck. I want it to obey me. I want to keep on top of time. I want to have it play by my rules. I want to start on time, finish on time, everything to the book. And both of these attitudes have their benefits. They also have their setbacks. And I don't know where you would put yourself on this spectrum. Are you very happy to go with the flow or do you like to keep on top of things? And during the week, um, we went to, as part of my six, uh, we went to Loxley Driving Grange. I don't know if any of you have been there before. Um, just off the Loxley Road, um, a small little place where you can hit balls. Um, it's a lot of fun. I really recommend it. Um, and we were there, um, and Charles, who happens to be here tonight, um, he said something really actually insightful about time. And actually, he says a lot of insightful things, but this was just a specific thing that I picked up on. Um, and he made a very timely comment. Uh, sorry, pardon the pun, timely comment. <laughs> Um, about how we understand time in the UK and especially in the Western world. Because we know when we hear the phrase, time is money, don't we? Time is money, and therefore we see every moment, every minute, every hour as a commodity. It's something that we can use for either gain or for loss. And we're continually told that every minute has to count towards something. That every minute has to be productive. It has to result in something. And I don't know about you, but so much of my social media feed at the moment is full of inspirational quotes or kind of business gurus speaking about how they spend their time and how they, I don't know, wake up at five o'clock in the morning and then work out for two hours and then spend the rest of the day doing emails and then they don't finish until 10 p.m. and they go to bed listening to a podcast because they have to keep working because we are told that time is money, that every second counts. And yes, it does. But Charles was making the point that we actually see and can see time as our own. That we see time as something that needs to be harnessed, that needs to be tamed for ourselves. Something that we need to get a hold of, that we can't let get out of our hands or out of our control. And so often we see it as something that can either be given away or we hold on to tightly. It's either something we keep for ourselves or it's something that we give away to others. And I was so challenged by this. And I think that the word that the Lord is speaking to us this morning is that we need to reframe how we think about our time. Because we know the verse, and Abby referenced it this morning, um, Psalm 118, that this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Because the Lord has made each day. He's given us each minute. He's given us the very breath in our lungs. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't think that this is a call to be a business guru in that sense and to make every single moment count. It's not um, YOLO, if you remember that from quite a while ago. You'll only live once. This idea that you have to make every single moment count. Because 
if you read the scriptures, that's not necessarily what Jesus did. Jesus rested. He slept a lot. He took time. He's never in a rush. He's never in a hurry. Actually, he welcomes interruption because that's where he does some of his best work. If it was me, in those moments where someone interrupts me, I'd usually say, oh, sorry, I've got somewhere to be. Or, sorry, I'm running late. I need to get a move on. But actually, Jesus understood that this is the day the Lord has made, that every moment, every second was a gift from him. And therefore, his life reflected that. And that's what I think the call on us is today, that our lives need to reflect the fact that the God, God has given us each day. He's given us each second. He's given us each minute. And therefore, our time isn't actually ours. It doesn't belong to us. It is a gift given from God. And we need to choose how we use that gift. And the rhythm of the kingdom, it has this clear operating system of rest and Sabbath. It's a weekly reminder to stop, to delight, and to rest. And remember that God is still on the throne, that he's in charge, and that we are his people. That when we stop, the world doesn't stop spinning, that our work doesn't collapse, that God's work doesn't collapse. But it reminds us that he's sovereign, he's Lord, and he is provider. Because our time is the Lord's, it's given to us, it's a gift from him. Here's the message, and here's the question that is on my heart today. Who is the Lord of my diary? Who is Lord of my time? I don't know how that question sits with you. I don't know if you've thought about this before. It's something that I hadn't really thought about until I started thinking about preparing for this talk, actually. Who is Lord of my time? Because we believe that God has placed this call on our church, on us as his people, to love and to serve and to bless the city and to love our neighbours as ourselves. And actually, in order to step fully into that, I believe we need to reorientate how we spend our time and how we consider our time. Because I know that if I want to give Jesus everything of me, if I want to offer all of me, and I do, and I'm sure you do as well, the way I spend my time can't be excluded from that. It can't just be my Sunday morning, my Sunday night, or my Wednesday evening, whatever it might be, because he deserves all of my time, because it all comes from him anyway. And if we're going to love and bless this city and see it transformed in the name of Jesus, we need to take out our diaries, we need to take out our calendars, and we need to say, Lord, I want you to use me, and I want you to use this time that you have given me, and he will, because Jesus says that Mary chooses what is better. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to choose what is better, Jurassic Park. Um, I want to choose what is better. And so often, I think that I know what's best. So often, I think I know what's the best way to use my time. I know what are the best things to concentrate on. What are the most important things to prioritize. But actually, Jesus knows what is better. And Martha shows that what she's focusing on in this moment isn't the right thing to focus on in that moment. But I want to choose what is better. I want to choose Jesus. I want to choose his kingdom. And I believe the word that Jesus has for us today is to choose better. It's to choose for him in every moment. And that looks like stepping out, loving and blessing our neighbours in any way that we can. So how do we move from here to here? How do we move from this place of, this is my time, 
I want to spend it how I want. To God, this is your time. Use me in that. We talked a lot about the practical. We even talked about cultural and societal. We talked about last week how if you're English in the room, I am as well, um, that actually sometimes that can even be a setback, that being English, the kind of the way that we're raised and the culture that we grow up in can be a setback to talking with our neighbours. We can leave church on a Sunday and think, yep, I can do that. That seems reasonable. I can put that into practice this week. But I don't know about you, but by the time I've got home, watched something on telly and gone to bed, I've forgotten about it. <laughs> it's because I'm trying to do things in my own strength. It's because I'm trying to step out in my own ability, in my own power. I'm trying to make this happen on my own. But actually, so often life gets in the way. So often I forget things, I get tired. I can't be bothered, I lose track. And there's a million other things I'd rather do. Generally, that doesn't change me. It doesn't transform me. In my mind, it, just, it seems to remain a good idea until the next thing comes along. So what is it that will change us? What is it that will transform us? What will cause the renewing of our minds, the restoring of our souls? Because it's going to take something more than just willpower or determination to do that. Because we need more than just ourselves. Because anyone can be a good neighbour. <laughs> they don't even have to have an inkling about who Jesus is. In fact, this week, or last week even, um, Sunday afternoon, um, I had a knock on the door at about four o'clock in the afternoon, and my, I'd just moved, I've moved into a new house, um, for context. <laughs> and my new neighbours on the right, number 46, they came round with a card and some cake and welcomed me and said, we're so glad that you've moved in, we'd love to get to know you. And these guys aren't Christians, and, you know, it doesn't take people to be Christians, to be good neighbours. So what is it actually that about us being Christians that can make us good neighbours? What makes us distinctive in that? And this is where we stand out. It's because we can be filled with the Spirit. It's because, like we've sung, we are his temple. We carry God's Spirit within us. That's what makes us distinctive. That's what can make us good, godly neighbours. Because if it's me, it always seems to fall short. It never seems to last. But if it's God, it's in his hands. And let me tell you now, what a relief that is. What a relief that is, because the invitation is to say, Lord, this is on you. It's on your shoulders. I'm just here for you to use me. This is your work. This is your doing. I just get to be a part of it. And what a relief. What a freedom that is to step back from the weight of expectation, from the pressure that we lay on ourselves, from the fear of failing to actually step back and to rest on his goodness, on, on his grace, that all of a sudden it's not about what we can muster up, that what we can summon from within, but it comes from the source of all power and all strength and all knowledge and all goodness and all grace, that it comes from God. Because when we move from here to here, all of a sudden we're moving from a place of operating from I should, I must, I ought to, to I want to, I love to, I can. It's a place of co-working with Christ. That's what we're being called to step into because we can manipulate our calendars. We can shift things around and sometimes that helps. 
but it takes a change of the heart. It takes something deeper to reshape and to refresh our priorities. And how do we do that? How do we do that? We believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, don't we? He's at work in our hearts. He's at work in this place already. And we believe that God can transform us. We read it throughout scripture. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of those who we know. And when we look through scripture, anytime anything major happens, it's not because of the willpower of that person. It's not their ability to um, manipulate a situation or to put together a wicked plan or to move things around in their calendar. And sometimes that's part of the process. And trust me, I'm not knocking the process. But what I'm saying is this. We need the Lord to break through. We need Jesus to move by his spirit to change things. And I know that I need God to change me. I need him to renew my heart, to renew my mind and to make me like Christ. I need his help. Because when I try and strive and put my best foot forward, it lasts for about a week. And then my humanity, it catches up with me. And it seems to fall flat. But we know Isaiah 55 talks about how when the Lord sends out his word, it won't return to him empty, but it will accomplish all that he desires. And that's the difference. That's the, that's the clinch. That the Lord's word never returns to him empty. It always accomplishes what he desires. Because God's run never comes to an end. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't run out of steam. He doesn't get bored. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give in. He's always steadfast. He's always faithful. And we need more of that. We need more of him. Because there's always more of him. Jesus says that even greater things will come than what have already been. That's a promise in scripture. Can we just think about that for a second, that Jesus promises that even greater things will come, even greater than walking on water, greater than feeding 10,000 people with um, five loaves, two fishes, greater than raising the dead, greater than someone reaching out and touching his robe and then becoming healed, greater than this. I wonder how many of us believe that today. Because I know that most of the time I don't. Who amongst us needs more faith today? Because I know I do. And you know, we're in good company. Luke 17, um, the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith, Lord. And he replies with the line that we'll know well. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Because it's okay to ask for more faith. It's probably encouraged to ask for more faith. We need it. We need more faith. We need more of Jesus. This city, our streets, our neighbours need more of Jesus. And that's the call that I believe the Lord is placing on our hearts. That we can't do this in our own strength. That actually... We need to repent and turn back to him and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you to break through, break in, and do what only you can do.
So why don't we ask for that now? I just want to encourage you to stand with me. If Johnny and the band, you guys want to come back out. We're not going to do anything special or um, different during this time. Um, But I'd love us just to wait on the Lord, to ask him what it is that he's speaking to us this morning, because we believe that God always speaks, that he's always speaking, and we need to listen. So I just want to encourage you maybe just to close your eyes, to just say, come Holy Spirit, to turn our attention again, to fix our eyes on Jesus. So I need to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of my life. And he's therefore Lord of my time. He's Lord of my diary. I need to repent and I need to turn back to him. I need him to fill me afresh. We want more of you, Jesus more of your power, more of your presence, more of your healing, more of your restoration. More of your spirit in this place, Lord Jesus. We need more of your love, more of your grace, more of your patience. Lord, that through you, we would reach out to our neighbors to love them as you do, to serve them as you would. And Lord, we know that we can't do this in our own strength. Lord, we know that we can't do this without you. So Holy Spirit, come by your power now. Set us ablaze for you, Lord Jesus. Breath of God, blow through this place. Transform us, renew us, and change us, I pray. Lord, don't let us stay the same. Soften our hearts, open our hearts to you, I pray.